riding into this room on your horse through the words that you breathed onto the pages before us. We need your presence, Jesus. Lord, there are people here today who need to encounter you in a specific way. We need your breath breathed on them to bring healing and restoration in their lives, to bring faith, strength, encouragement, joy for this new year. Lord, we thank you for carrying us through another challenging year. We thank you for the many blessings that you always provide for your people, even in difficulty. Lord, we thank you that you will not fail, that you will not stop providing. So, Lord, come and bless us, grace us with your word, your power. And give us attentive hearts, Holy Spirit. Keep our eyes on Jesus this morning. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Happy New Year. Merry eighth day of Christmas. Um, I want to start a sermon series today. The Lord put it on my heart to preach for, I don't know, maybe four weeks, maybe six weeks, a sermon series. And I was in a hotel with my wife. We spent some time away, our family in St. Petersburg. And I was talking to her about it. She said, I think that's a great idea. And we were talking about, what should we call it? What should we call it? And we'd come up with one thing and say, no, that's too many words. And what's this? And then she said, well, call it a go tell it. And I was like, I don't know. That's still too much. And I said, what about just tell? Let's call the sermon series tell. Tell. And she was like, yeah, that's pretty good. So the sermon series is going to be called Tell How to Talk to Others About Jesus. Plain and simple. Sound good? So the first week, uh, this week, I want to talk about um, just drawing right from the scriptures in the lectionary cycle about pursuing wisdom and revelation. So we all know that we're saved not by wisdom and revelation, right? We're all saved by God's grace through uh, putting our faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross, right? Yes, if you can't nod to that, we've got to have a conversation. Okay, so we also, though, we also, though, have a responsibility to grow into our faith and into our identity in Christ and a responsibility to grow in deeper knowledge of God and the mysteries of the gospel that have been in, unfolded to us. Amen? So today, I'm not going to actually tell you very much at all about what to say to people to tell them about Jesus. I want to lay some groundwork and think about our own lives, the life of our mind, the life of our devotion, and how we can commit that to the Lord, because applying our minds to learning, especially when it comes to Holy Scripture, is not just for our sake to gain information, it's for the sake of others so that we can tell them about who God is. Make sense? Okay. So a big part of telling other people about Jesus is knowing something about him. Knowing about the gospel, okay, right, which is the simple truth that, the, that Jesus shed his blood on the cross so that we could be saved from our sins and reconciled to our heavenly father. But also that Paul talks about the mystery of the gospel, and so there's a lot of a whole lot of ramifications, if you will, and consequences and implications of the gospel. Those are things that we learn about and grow into over the course of our Christian life. What does the gospel mean for every area of life? 
And those are things that where we need to apply our mind to the scriptures, sometimes to books, to going to conferences, listening to people who are wise and knowledgeable about these things so that we can grow into that. So I want to look this morning first at the gospel passage for a few minutes, and then I'm going to switch tracks over to Ephesians, but I think it's all going to flow together. Ready? All right. Let's start in Luke chapter 2 this morning. First, let me ask a question. Is Jesus our model and our example in everything for life? Yes? All right. Three of you believe it. Uh, Is Jesus our model and example for everything in life? Yes, he is. Okay, there we go. Now we're awake. Let's get some shots of espresso in here. I know it's New Year's, the day after New Year's Day. We're waking up still to 2022. Okay, verse 46. Chapter 2, verse 46 of Luke's gospel, where we get this very interesting story. The uh, Jews would go to uh, Jerusalem. They were scattered about in different nations. Go to Jerusalem on pilgrimage for Passover. Okay. And Jesus's family, when he was 12 years old, would do the same. They were customary. Uh, it was customary for them to do so. And Jesus, uh, they seem to lose him. So they're returning home, probably in a big caravan of people. And so there's probably just shared responsibility of the young ones, of the kids. And after three days, they realize, like, okay, we've been calling his name and looking for him for three days. Where is where is he? And they're and Mary's starting to have a little bit of a panic attack. Okay, so they they go back to the city and it tells us this in verse 46. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Remember, Jesus is fully human being, including his mind. So. This can be tricky theologically, but Jesus never ceased to be God, but he did set aside his prerogative to use all of his divine attributes when he walked the earth as a human. So he humbled himself and subjected himself to having a human mind. Okay, so he learned. It is very clear in the passage that Jesus is sitting and learning. He's asking questions of the teachers in the temple courts. And he's listening attentively to for what? He's gaining wisdom and knowledge about what it would have been about, would have been the Hebrew Scriptures. So Jesus, human being, applied his rational mind to learning and understanding the Scriptures. Now, there's there can be, in some circles in Christianity... There can be a very heavy emphasis on doctrine and theology and learning everything in the Bible. And so, you know, some Christians have the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Bible. Okay, right? And there's very little room for Holy Spirit because sometimes the rational mind dominates, right? It's all about doctrine and getting everything right line for line. But at the same time, you can kind of swing the other way into kind of an anti-intellectualism where we actually deny the role of the mind that Jesus calls us to use to love God with. Love the Lord your God with all your mind. And so we don't want to go either of those ways. We want to be a people who walk close with the Lord by the power of His Spirit, but take on the responsibility to apply our minds to learning. 
And we as modern day American Christians, I know because I'm one of them, find it easier to watch three hours of Netflix at night than to spend a little bit of time studying and growing in our knowledge of scripture and in doctrine and the nature of God. And some of us, we need to look at a New Year's uh, New Year's resolution. One of our New Year's resolutions should probably be to do a little bit more applying our rational mind to learning some things so that we can grow closer to the Lord, because that's what it's about. Okay, you with me? That didn't hurt. That didn't sting too bad, did it? I, I know right off the bat, I, I'm throwing them at you, but at myself too. So Jesus is applying his rational mind and everything Jesus did was an example for us, including his humility and asking questions and listening to teachers of the law and of the word of God. And so that for us looks like the responsibility practically of actually studying scripture, reading scripture ourselves, but also going to, you know, resources that can tell us more about scripture, because sometimes you read things in scripture and you're like, I don't get it. (laughs) It's an ancient document. And so that don't feel bad if you feel that way. There are many, many resources out there. Okay, it involves reading books. I know I don't I don't need to meet too many people anymore who say, man, I just love reading books. I meet people who like they love watching sports or, you know, going to the movies and things like that. And those things are fine. But reading books is actually an important part of developing Christian character and growing closer to the Lord. Because there's people out there who have written books who know more about Jesus and love him more than you do and have something to impart to you and to me. Okay, so that's one of the things. Then, as I said before, sometimes it looks like attending conferences. It, one easy way to grow and that's accessible to everybody here in this room is 9 a.m. class called Sunday Morning Theology. And it just is a little, it's not, I know that uh, title can be intimidating, but it's, it's really meant to be for just everyday yous and me's. Okay, taking things from scripture and looking at them. We're doing a class right now on cults and other religions so that we can understand those folks better to engage with them with the gospel. Um, it also looks like, uh, you know, humbling yourself for teachers, spiritual mentors, spiritual mothers and fathers who can sit with you and meet with you on a regular basis and take you through the scriptures, teach you things, teach you to pray, help you grow in all of those areas, spiritual gifts and things like that. But it involves applying our rational mind intentionally to learning and growing so that we can be more mature in our Christian walk. But you see efforts this is and this is this is something i guarantee that you see efforts to learn to sub, submit our mind to christ will be rewarded with situations in which you can apply the knowledge that you've learned because god is not in, in in god is not uh he's not enthralled with you having a big old brain with lots of knowledge in it he's interested in filling your brain and your mind with truth so that you can use that truth to make him known to other people Right. So this is not you don't need to get a theology degree. And, you know, the point is not to be able to write doctor as your title or something like that. But it is to be able to responsibly steward this creative and incredibly profoundly uh, intricately designed brain and mind that we have to use it for God's glory. Tracking with me so far. Okay, so. Being a, when you when you learn as you learn and grow in your knowledge of Scripture and of the nature of who Jesus is, you will be more readily you will be more ready to articulate your, yourself to uh, your faith to other people. 
Now, what I'm not saying is that if you don't know a lot about theology in the Bible, you can't share your faith. I absolutely believe that some of the most profound encounters that people can have can be with a baby Christian who just says, I just love Jesus and I know how he changed my life. Could I pray for you? And that's it for them, for evangelism. That's all they, they know how to do. And people's lives can be changed because it's not about the knowledge level. But at the same time, responsibly stewarding the knowledge that God wants to impart to us and the wisdom and revelation that he wants to give to us, he will reward that with opportunities in which you can use it. Okay? So, I want to just be clear about that. We, we uh, I absolutely rely entirely on the power of the Spirit and on God's grace, but we also grow by applying our minds to cooperate with him, to learn more about him. Okay. Now, Jesus' parents are anxious. They tell him, what were you doing? A son, why have you treated us like this? I can't believe that you did this. I mean, for a son to just, Jesus was just like one track mind. He was like, okay, I'm not, he didn't even say bye. (laughs) So he wasn't worried about it. Jesus wasn't anxious. And his mom and dad were, and they say, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And Jesus, the most non-anxious person who ever walked the earth, said, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? So Jesus' response reveals that he had a mission that transcended human expectations and normalcy and what status quo, even when it came to his family dynamic. His gaze was fixed on his heavenly father, and he, above all else, wanted to connect with him. And one of the ways he did it was by sitting in the temple with the leaders learning. Okay? So learning is about connecting with the Father. Jesus said this, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added to your life. And Jesus lived that out. He was seeking first the kingdom. Oh, sorry, Mom and Dad, I forgot to say bye, but I've got to be about my father's business because that's what I'm here to do. Okay? But then it tells us that he went back home with them and he was obedient to them. He wasn't disrespectful as a child or anything like that. He just knew he had a mission that transcended human expectations. And sometimes it involves sacrifices of time or entertainment to be committed to growing into the mission that we have as Christians when it comes to learning. It involves learning as a sacrifice of time, energy, and sometimes giving up other opportunities to go and have fun or whatever. Now, um, verse 52 tells us this, and this is the last thing I'm going to remark on in the gospel passage today. It says, Jesus grew. Everybody say this. Jesus grew. Jesus grew. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. So again... He has set aside his divine attributes. He's not choosing not to always exercise them. He's walking as a human being, and he grew in his understanding of the Scriptures and of his Father and of his mission. That's what the verse implies. We don't often think about this very human side of Jesus, right? He had human emotions, a human soul, and a human mind. And he applied that mind to grow in wisdom. And wisdom is uh, when you gain knowledge about the world, about God, about the scriptures, and then you apply that knowledge over time. It turns into wisdom. Okay, And Jesus grew in wisdom because he applied his mind. He was loving God with all of his mind. Okay, now go over to Ephesians chapter 1. 
Okay. Ephesians chapter 1, we're just going to look at, now I love the first three verses there in that passage are so beautiful, but what Paul has done is he has established that people have put their faith in Jesus Christ, are essentially seated with him, blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, they've been adopted into God's family, all of that has been signed, sealed, and completed by God. But then he goes on to move into now... He says, this is my prayer for you, even though that's already been completed. So starting down all the way in verse 17 is where I'm going to start. Paul is praying for Christians and he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glory father may give you the spirit wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. What does that imply? That there are things to grow into. That we have to grow. What do we need to be able to grow? We need the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Now, this that we're, that we're, uh, says spirit of in Greek, that's a genitive, and it can be difficult to translate. Not difficult to translate, but there are numerous ways you could translate it. It could also mean, I pray that he would give you spiritual wisdom and revelation. It's a word that means of, it's like says of the spirit. So it could mean the Holy Spirit as a personal pronoun, or it could mean spiritual revelation and wisdom. I don't think that they're really at odds. I think it's both of those things. Okay. Because all spiritual wisdom and revelation comes through the spirit of wisdom and revelation, who's a person, right? The person of the Holy Spirit. But here's the purpose, Paul says, for you to grow in wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better so that you may know him better do you want to know god better in 2022 i do i want to know him better because he is so good and he is his his attributes are so stunning and awesome his love is so powerful and overwhelming i want to know him more i want my heart to be on fire for him because i know him aw tozer said what we think about god is the most important thing about us and he said there's this secret unseen law of the soul that will based on what it believes about something will gravitate towards it or away from it and so our thoughts about god if we entertain low base thoughts about god we're not going to be drawn to him but if we apply our mind to the scriptures and to learning we are going to entertain high thoughts about god in our soul is going to be drawn to him and drawn up into his glory so the mind works when you apply it like a window to the soul that helps the soul ascend up into glory. Hallelujah. Okay. So we don't want to diminish the mind and the life of the mind, nor do we want to idolize our minds and forget about the work of the spirit. But the mind is, is like a, an instrument on which the Holy Spirit beautifully plays when we open it and explore to learn more about God and his word knowledge and wisdom for the christian can never be disconnected from our desire for friendship with god knowledge and wisdom for the christian can never be disconnected from our desire for friendship with god so the next time that you say you know what i need to read a book on uh the last days i want to learn more about a theology of this i want to learn more about the nature of jesus christ and who he was i'm going to read a book on this think about it like this i am going to apply my mind so that i can grow deeper in my friendship with you 
And I like to, when before I read, I don't always remember to, but I often I'll open my iPad or something or my book, and I'll say, Holy Spirit, would you just impart to me what you want me to receive from this book as I'm reading this? You know, there, sometimes the Lord brings books to your attention. You're scrolling on Amazon, and something, you just keep going to a, a book, and you keep being drawn to it, or someone suggests it, and, or you see somebody else reading it, and the Holy Spirit is showing you that you need to read that book. He has something for you. So when we apply our minds to learning, to grow in wisdom and revelation, we should have an expectation that God is there with us and wants to impart something to us, for us, uniquely, specifically for us, so that we can what? Know him better. Amen? Okay. So Jesus said that when he was going to send the Holy Spirit, he referred to him as a number of things, one of which was he said he's the spirit of truth. He's the spirit of truth, okay? So friendship with the Holy Spirit can only lead to a deeper awareness of and knowledge of the truth, who is, which is embodied, of course, in the person of our Lord Jesus. So imagine this. Imagine that you have a new acquaintance who is a very skilled artist, and you have always wanted to learn how to sketch, wanted to learn but you haven't you just haven't been able to to do it and you meet an acquaintance and you find out that they are brilliant i mean their work is stunning when you look at it and you think oh man i want to be like that and so what you do is you cling to every word you cling to every word as they teach you as they impart things to you you they, they talk to you about the the contours of lines and shapes and how to do shading and how to mix colors if you're if you're going to paint or use colored pencils and you're jotting down notes and you're reviewing them and you're applying your mind because it's like gold to you but not only is this acquaintance a source of information but they're also you discover a lovely person to be around and so a deep friendship is being forged i want you to think about god the holy spirit like that because if god is the artist in that metaphor he's always desiring to impart more revelation to us always he has an infinite resources of of glory and revelation to impart to us. And so he's never like, no, I don't really feel like teaching you anything today or imparting anything into your spirit. He's a God of abundance and generosity. So he's always on his end waiting for us to connect so that we can grow, so that we can learn, so that he can impart things to us. And sometimes it's simply some theological knowledge about Jesus so that we can glorify him more and think more about him. Sometimes it's a personal revelation or prophetic word from the Lord to give us direction in life or encouragement in life. There's so many ways, but he always wants to impart his knowledge to us. And so if you doze off or ignore your artist friend whose greatest love and focus in life is art, not only will you not get revelation about art, you will have a very shallow friendship at best. And if we are lax and neglectful, of our interactions with the Holy Spirit and applying our mind and our hearts to what he wants to teach us, we will not get very much revelation about God and our relationship with him will remain rather shallow. There are places in the New Testament where uh, the New Testament authors say things like this. They're kind of scolding the Christians and they say, "Uh, you're still on spiritual milk and you should be on meat by now. 
right? And the author of Hebrews says we shouldn't have to go back to elementary teachings about uh, baptisms and resurrection and all that stuff. We should be moving on into maturity in our understanding of the faith. Okay, so there is a responsibility. Uh, there is a responsibility there that I want us to take seriously as a church, especially as we are looking at a new year of evangelism and outreach in downtown Maitland and Eatonville and doing things. Is that as we're learning to do that, we're also all growing in our knowledge of God, so that we are better equipped to impart something to other people, so that they can know Him better. Amen. So. I want to make another remark on Ephesians before I close. If you look at verse 18, Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Okay, so his prayer is that the eyes of our heart, the inner spirit, the inner person, our mind, emotion, will, that's the heart for an ancient Hebrew or a person writing in Paul's day. The heart was the center of mind, emotion, and will. He prays that it would be enlightened. So that we would, three things, the hope to which he's called you. The hope to which he has called you. That is something he's already accomplished. That's in the past. The riches of his glorious inheritance, or I'm sorry, that's future. He wants you to know something. He wants us to be enlightened about our future. The hope that we have in heaven with all of the saints. No. About the past. The riches of his inglorious inheritance in his holy people. The inheritance that we have received through putting our faith in Jesus Christ. But he also wants us to know something about the present and what we have access to. And that is his incomparably great power for us who believe. So I love how in the same breath that Paul is encouraging us to be close with the spirit of wisdom and revelation. He also tells us that we need to realize that we have incomparable power spiritual power to them who believe so as christians we cannot separate these things out and parcel them out and say i'm not really much of a learner i don't really care for commentaries and studying and books i just kind of like to just to soak in his presence and that's it because you're going to have a lopsided imbalanced christian life nor should we you know be the person who 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 reads 25 books at a time and uh (laughs) and shake but only reads and reads and reads and, and, and listens and listens and listens and spends hours trying to learn and get knowledge, but our prayer life is like, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. There's my prayer for the day. <laughs> okay, so we need to be a people, if we want to walk in the incomparable power of the Spirit, we also need to be a people who apply our minds to wisdom and revelation because God is always looking to reveal more to us. Jesus... Um, the Bible, of course, should be the focus of our study. Okay? Now, don't go jumping into systematic theology textbooks. The Bible really should be the focus of our study. The Bible, and I would say good books about the Bible. And if you want recommendations, ask your pastor. I've got plenty. Before Jesus um, sent his disciples to Jerusalem, it's at the end of Luke's gospel in uh, chapter 24. He's... He's raised from the dead and he's getting ready to send them to Jerusalem to where he says, wait until you're clothed with power from on high. So they're about to get drenched in the Holy Spirit and they're about to go out and walk in power to make his name known. But before he sends them to wait for that, he teaches them from the scriptures. 
And it says this, Jesus said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. That's the Old Testament, Hebrew Scriptures. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law, the prophets, and the Psalms. And then it says this, Then he opened their minds so they could understand the Scriptures. Now, the Spirit of Jesus is in you. The Spirit of Jesus is in you. So when you open this and begin to apply, apply your mind, He will open your mind to understand the Scriptures and everything they teach about Him. Why is He interested in doing that? So that you can know Him better. And make Him known. The disciples sat under His teaching Three years, he sent them into the city to wait for power from on high. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they went out in power, proclaiming boldly the faith in Jesus Christ, working miracles, healing the sick, casting out demons, raising the dead, and making his name known because he sent them to tell. Let's pray. Father, there's nothing that we value more than the presence of your Spirit in this place. And Lord, we also value the Word that was breathed by your Spirit and that is living and active, that is power, that in this Word that you have given to us, Lord, you have revealed your Son. So, Lord, where we have neglected the study and the reading of this word in our lives, we ask for forgiveness. We ask forgiveness for the presumptuous sin of thinking that we can live a Christian life without applying ourselves diligently to the word that reveals the presence of the one who loves us and gave his life for us. So, Father, going into this new year, we celebrate your mercy. We thank you that you're not mad at us. We thank you that you're not angry with us, that you're not holding our sins against us. But we ask that you would impart to us in this place today a renewed and revived desire to study, to apply ourselves to your word, to meet with you in the early hours of the morning, to receive the revelation that you have for us about who you are, about what you have done in your son, and about your desire to use us each and every day to make the name of Jesus known to others. And Father, we commit ourselves as a church to learning and to growing into maturity so that we too may tell the good news about Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.